1: Welcome to the Leftovers podcast, Derek Kramer, Frank Curry, and we love that you listen to us here on WGR 550 on Demand Audio and we love talking about the Sabres. We'll do that in a little bit as well, but we also love talking about the draft. And who do we love when we talk about the draft? We love the Draft Network, Frank. We go to you nothing do. but the best, and with us today, one of our good friends, John Ledyard from the Draft Network. John, it's Derek and Frank. How you doing, man?
2: Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
1: And oh, as always, thanks for taking the time for any and all of us, because you know we have a lot of you guys on on all of our shows, pretty much. So, you know, thanks <laughs> as always for giving us the Absolutely. latest. Absolutely. All right, so John, of the big big reason I wanted to talk to talk to you today was for one reason and one reason only no there's many reasons but there's one main reason your mock draft simulator is coming out on the 25th and I'm super excited as it's 11 days away
2: yeah absolutely it's going to be a lot of fun I think people are are getting amped up for it and uh, Trevor and the guys have done a really good job promoting it lately and giving people kind of sneak peeks uh, as to what to expect but yeah it's going to allow you to I think what's different about it is you can you can draft for all thirty-two teams if you want. So if you want to just do an actual mock draft, you can do a first. Uh, you know, instead of having your own database, you're pulling guys from and everything, trying to remember if you missed anybody and all that stuff. You know, we're going to have everybody in the class worth knowing um, in, in this database. So and you can do a one-round mock, you can do a two-round mock. So for media people, I think it's going to be really really helpful because it's going to allow them to do their jobs much more efficiently than they were before um and those marks, those are going to be shareable as well you can be able to share those on social and, you know, put them in your articles if you want them and things like that so uh, it's going to allow people to do that but also you can build your own big board as well on february 25th that'll drop as well and you're going to be able to you know do things how you would do it you know if you were building uh for a mock draft uh you know or for a team you know if you were the have uh, the build perspective and you're you know building a board for the bills and you can build positional boards as well and draft off those so it's just uh it's very helpful, I think, uh, to be able to 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 be able to use those things in a more efficient manner. Uh, people do them every year. Everybody does them, but to, to be able to do them in this format is going to be way more helpful for people and way less time-consuming, as well as being really aesthetically pleasing and, we think, super enjoyable to do.
1: Now, I do have some more questions on it, John. I mean, I, I'm very curious about this thing, and mm-hmm. uh, doing the mock drafts, uh, you said you could do all 34, I mean, all 32 teams, excuse me, and... You know that is something that I will definitely put into practice. But if I wanted to do just the one team, does like is there a computer that ends up drafting the other players for you, like for the other teams, and then you figure out what to go from from there based on their decisions?
2: Absolutely, yeah. So if you just want to draft for the Bills, you can just draft for the Bills. It'll simulate all the other picks. If you want to draft for just the AFC East, you could pick those four teams. You can pick as many or as few teams as you want. You can simulate the whole thing if you want. You know, So it's just a matter of kind of what you want to do as a, as a mock drafter. But, yeah, you'll absolutely have the ability to just do one team and go through and do a team mock draft. You can do seven rounds, three, one, whatever you want to do. Um, so it gives you a lot of flexibility to the user to be able to kind of format things how they want it to be formatted and, and, uh, and have their experience kind of be whatever they want it to be.
1: Now, the other thing about it, uh, John, is – you know we've seen different mock draft simulators before and you see some kind of uh, some kind of like the outlandish picks do you guys have a formula that you're creating to try to make it as uh as realistic as possible for the for the mock draft simulator
2: yeah great question that was like our biggest priority and we knew it would also be the most difficult part so i would say for like the last 6 weeks we've probably been perfecting a process that is going to spit out you know the most realistic conclusion what we've learned in doing it is that you're never going to get exactly what you think, and that's okay because the actual draft doesn't happen that way either. It's always surprises. So you are still going to get the surprises. You're still going to get enough variance where you can, you know, things you get shook up a little bit if you do three or four in a row. But what we're doing is we're making it realistic enough to way to where it's going to be more similar to how it'll actually play out on draft day. Plus, the best part that's, that's different in what we do from other mock draft simulators that we've had. Uh, that have been out there in the past is that we actually scout and write up reports on all these guys. So we have our knowledge of where they should be and you can you can use uh, the TDN consensus board. You're going to be able to use my board if you want, Joe's board, Trevor's board, Kyle's board, whatever you want to do. You can use those boards but at the same time, you're also going to have a predictive board that we're going to create that will allow you to make the most realistic mock draft you can. So that predictive board, say I'm lower on Jonathan Abram Mississippi State safety than the NFL is. But on the predictive board, he's going to be high. Because I know, based on all the big media guys and all the buzz, the NFL might take him top 32, where I wouldn't take him top 64, just hypothetical. Um, but you know, I think that's the kind of stuff that you'll get the difference in. So if you want it to be really realistic, you're going to be able to choose that option. But if you want it to be more of, what do the TDN guys think? Let's mock, you know, according to if, if their world was reality, let's do it that way. Or according to your own board, if you want to just go according to how you see the draft, you can do it that way as well. So you're going to have a lot of options to choose, you know, how you want to see the board um, and how you want players to come off the board. And then from there, the simulator will do the rest. You know, it's fitting
1: that you're telling me all of this stuff, all this information about the uh, about the predictive simulator on this on Valentine's Day because it's stealing my heart, John.
2: <laughs>
0: hey, my too. My wife's mad. <laughs> oh. oh, John, what about trades?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So we've had a lot of questions about trades. The two questions we get the most often are about trades and about uh, multiple users being able to use a mock draft. And it's funny because we intentionally left those out of phase one trades in large part because we can use the actual trade scale that's, that's available online that everybody can see. But it's been followed less and less recently. So finding a realistic measuring stick for what trades are actually going to be, rather than I know other simulators out there have kind of just said, oh, you can do trades, but they are never really realistic. And like when you use them, it's like you end up with a million picks, but that's not really how it's going to happen in the draft. So, again, we really wanted the experience to be realistic. And even though trades are obviously going to happen, finding the actual value for trades and establishing that in the algorithm is not something we've gotten to just yet, nor is it something we really wanted to get to in year one. We really wanted to be able to offer things like that down the road and build on kind of what we have in place. So that and the ability to mock draft as a group of people. So say you guys, a couple other Bills people wanted to get on, they wanted to, to, to kind of do a mock as a group, or you got together with friends that were different fan groups. You know, your, your Dolphins friends, your Patriots friends, you know, your Jets friends, you know, those guys. You get all together, and you can all what you're going to be able to do eventually is you're going to be able to enter a room in our mock draft simulator, and you're like kind of like you would a fantasy football draft, and you're going to be able to all take part in the same mock draft as users together. But those features will come out down the road for us because of when we launched and when we agreed with this developing company and the time constraints we're up against to get this out this draft season. You won't have trades or team or group mock ability in this uh, simulator, this version of the simulator, but we have big plans for those down the road that hopefully we can get to. Hopefully even by year two we'll see how things progress. Obviously it's all about that, but those are kind of our plans for the future of mock Mach draft machine.
1: All right, excellent. John, I mean, seriously, this is, uh, this is a one heck of an ambitious project that you guys took on, and uh, I'm very excited to see what happens here
2: in, uh, in 11 days. Yeah, it's been the feedback so far from people. Some of the betas we've asked to be able to, to participate and use it have been has been awesome. So we've been super excited and super grateful for that. And so we're hoping that as that process finishes up now, it seems like we've getting all the bugs fixed and figured out and run through a thousand different simulations. And it seems like we're all almost ready to go here. So we're really excited to see the reaction on the 25th.
1: All right, so. I've got a couple other draft-related questions, obviously. Uh, uh, Joe Marino had put out a, uh, a Bills pre combine mock draft for the Bills seven rounds, so all ten picks that the Bills would be making in a mock draft here. And based on what Joe put together here, it looks like a best-case scenario for the first four rounds. I mean, they get a tackle in Juwan Taylor in the first round, J.J. Kego whiteside in the second round, Isaac Nwada in the third round as a tight end, and then Ben be- Bow Benshawl. did I get that right? <laughs> you got it. You got it. All right, it. there we go. Ben and Benschowl in the fourth round. It's seriously like that to me that looks like a dream scenario for a Bills fan.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean I think you Joe really has obviously his finger cut on the trigger of what uh the Bills might need at the position and obviously we all know Bills take tend to take high character guys and don't really have time for the pre Madonna type, so it'll be interesting to see how sustainable that is for success, but I do think they have, clearly have a type when they're drafting, and those guys fit that type. Um, Jawan Taylor, just in the first round, I mean, I think that's an obvious need for the Bills, and he is a really, really good football player. I, I, I was not impressed with him in 2017, but his 2018 tape was so much improved, like so many other Florida players. It's amazing the impact that coaching can make there, but his tape was so much better this past season. Uh, saw a ton of improvement in everything that he does, basically, as a player, so I absolutely think his best football could even be ahead of him as he continues to develop. But he has traits that you just don't pass up high in the draft. So to me, I do think he should be a top ten, top fifteen pick,
0: uh, and I
2: think Buffalo would really benefit from his services.
1: Yeah, that, that's that's comforting to hear. You know, like you know, they're not reaching on a need at that sort of position there. That John Taylor is uh, kind of matching a little bit of that hype right now. He's a guy that I'm hearing more and more about as the process continues to go on here. Uh, Arcega-Whiteside, can you tell us a little bit more about the Stanford receiver?
2: Yeah, he's he's interesting because I don't think you'll see him test really well, but he is pretty technically sound. You know, good route runner, good in his releases. He made a living in the red zone, but he doesn't really jump. He's like an unbelievable contested catch receiver that doesn't jump. It's a very strange game. You know, he, he kind of posts people up, uh, almost basketball like, but then just doesn't get airborne. Uh, it's, he is a very unusual skill set. You will not see many receivers like him. I think he's going to be hard for people to kind of figure out how they like him until after the combine. You know, if he bombs testing, everybody will kind of take the easy route. But his tape is good. So it's going to be interesting for people because he's a tough translation of the NFL, I think. That's the biggest concern. He's definitely a good college football player, but it's like does he have the traits to be able to succeed in some of the same ways in the NFL that he does in college? Because he's probably not going to test great. He's pro- He's not super explosive. Uh, I don't know that he'll separate really, really well in his route tree, uh, but I, and I don't know that he has great long speed either, but he just finds a way to win when the ball's in the air. You know, he, does, he has great hands and ball skills and concentration and strength. So there are some traits to definitely get excited about. He'd be a very different player than what Buffalo currently has on their roster. Some would refer to him as Calvin Benjamin-like, but he is way better from the neck up, uh, way better technician uh, than, than Calvin Benjamin, even if stylistically they win in some of the same ways. Um, so you know would I pick him for the Bills offense probably not I would I would make the offense predicated on speed and separation ability to give Josh Allen bigger windows to throw the football to um you know I I know that a lot of people like those contested catch type receivers because they have a big radius but I think more often than not you know allow those quarterbacks who accuracy isn't their greatest strength uh to kind of be able to have bigger windows to throw to so ball placement isn't as big a deal that's kind of my vision for the Bills' offense and for Josh Allen. So um, that's the kind of player I would target, but I certainly understand where a say weight could help them, especially in the red zone.
1: Yeah, I, I remember when you were on with uh, with Chopin Bulldog a couple of weeks back when you were hyping up Riley Ridley, and mm. you sold me there on Riley Ridley. I was uh, I was watching some of that tape, and I'm thinking, okay, I, I love Riley Ridley. I think he's, he's probably my personal favorite. Debo Samuel is another guy that I seem to love. They're not burners particularly. But I kind of like their all-around skill set.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Both guys are really, really solid. And I think really everybody talks about the production he didn't get. And it's fair and it's valid and it should be considered. But Georgia just didn't throw the football to him very often. And a lot of times his role was pretty simple. So, you know, he's a little bit older given his lack of production. I think obviously declared early, which saves him some. But I do think that there is some value to considering why he didn't produce as much in Georgia's offense and whether he can produce at a level gr- much greater than that in the NFL. Uh, what I would say is that uh, I'm probably going to be one to trust traits on him uh, just because his tape is so good and there are so few concerns uh, on his tape when he is given opportunities uh, as a route runner. As long as he checks out, I think he's a good athlete. I don't know if he's a great athlete. Right now I have, I'm have i thinking of leaning toward him in like the early second-round type of grade. Um, he's possible that if he tests well enough, he could get into round one for me. Uh, but either way, I think he's going to be a top three or four, or should be a top three or four receiver off the board uh, just because of his talent and because of the upside that he has at the position uh, to produce a lot more than he did in college. Uh, it's definitely worth asking the question, but in my opinion, there were just so many other factors at Georgia that I don't know that it can be held against him that he didn't have great production.
1: John Ledyard of the Draft Network joining us here on the Leftovers Podcast. Uh, John, uh, Ben Shell. I, I had him on my radar for Senior Bowl week as a player to watch when I wrote an article for uh, the website. So what about those constant linemen is it that it has him going in the fourth round here in mock drafts?
2: Uh, I think he's – I honestly, he didn't play very well on Mobile, and I think that probably adds to it, but, adds to it, but I don't think also that you know, his tape was very impressive either. Uh, you know, he falls off blocks a bit more. I don't think he moves particularly well. Um, compared to some of the other guys. So I think those are concerns, some technical concerns and body posture concerns uh, with him in terms of getting to the second level and how he engages defenders and things like that. But uh, I think that there's enough there to protect him with some development as a starter maybe. So fourth round feels about right. But I actually haven't finished his full evaluation yet uh, to see kind of where exactly I would value him in the draft. But I wasn't super impressed with him in Mobile. I did not think he really – Uh, compared to some of the other guys especially you know in the 1v1 drills I thought he struggled where a lot of the other guys stood out and it just didn't feel like he measured up to the rest of the class so Wisconsin guys tend to get the benefit of the doubt a little bit and get some love I do think Michael Dieter will be the first of the Wisconsin guys off the board and David Edwards probably sometime after that and and I think with Bo it's going to be a matter of can he get into the top 100 can he crack that group because right now on tape it feels like a lot of people have him as one of those lock round four guys, but they don't really want to commit themselves to him as a guy that would start in 2019, which would mean probably putting a top 100 grade on him, and it doesn't feel like people are really ready to go there with him yet.
1: All right, John, uh, how good is this tight end class?
2: So good, man. I wrote about this past week for in-draft class heroes <laughs> on my Tuesday call, but, yeah, it is just loaded. Um, it is uh, it is talent at the top, uh, and it is depth throughout. You know, I think we think back to the 2017 class, where it had the talent at the top with O.J. Howard, David Njoku, and Evan Engram. But I really wasn't the depth, in my opinion. I know Shaheen and Everett went in the second round that year. Some people like Jake Butt, but the depth wasn't really there in that class. Obviously, Kittle went late and became a really, really, I mean, maybe one of the best tight ends in the league already, but um, in in terms of where it was pre-draft, it was a good tight end class at the top, but not a lot of other top 100 talents in this class. You might see eight tight ends uh, as top 100 talents, maybe more. I mean, it's It's a really, really loaded group. There's a lot of different pieces. There's the guys that are, in my mind, certainties to to at least fill some type of role and be a starter in the NFL, uh, in Hawkinson and then Noah Fanson and Irv Smith. And then there's guys that I think are definitely solid players that I wonder what the ceiling is. Guys guys like Nada from Georgia, uh, Dax Raymond from Utah State. And then there's some guys that are like raw that need development like Dawson Knox but have unbelievable traits. I think honestly Jay Sternberger might fall in that category as well. I know he has way better production than Knox but he's still a pretty raw football player. He just was in an offense that featured him where Knox was in an offense that ignored him. I think both are kind of on similar planes in terms of needing development as blockers and receivers still, route runners but super, super great, good athletes, can stretch the field, make tough catches at times when they are targeted. So I think both those guys kind of are the ceiling type of guys. So, it's, you know, you have a little bit of everything in this tight end class. And if you can get those guys with that are a little more developmental to reach their peak in the NFL, I really think you're going to have one of the better tight end classes we've ever seen.
0: John, I've got a question about two specific players in, in the draft draft. Uh, Coming out of UB, we have Anthony Johnson and Tyree Jackson. What are your What's your opinion on them based on what you've seen so far through the draft process and through tape?
2: I think Tyree Jackson is going to have a chance to get in the top 100 in this quarterback class, just because the Senior Bowl was supposed to boost some of those guys and it didn't. You know, the Senior Bowl was just bad for almost all of the quarterbacks in the class. So I think that. You might see some teams just kind of throw up their hands and be like, "We're done with these guys." Where Tyree Jackson wasn't really good at the Senior Bowl, but at least he has the upside where he could become good. And the other guys in the class just don't. A lot of them. So um, I think that because of that, that, he'll be a riser even if he doesn't really do anything great at the combine, just because there's traits there that there aren't with the other guys the NFL. You know, is going to fresh off the Patrick Mahomes experience, even though Tyree Jackson's nowhere close to him. Uh, they're going to see some of that and feel some of that and feel pressured to take him somewhere in the mid-round. So probably still a round four guy, but I think there's always the chance one team falls in love and wants to get him uh, before the second day of the draft is over. So that's kind of where I see his stock right now. He he needs a lot of work. There's no question. Obviously, everybody knows about the arm strength, but decision-making is a big concern. Field vision is a big concern. Uh, Mental processing from the pocket as well, and of course, accuracy. So those are really the biggest traits for a quarterback, in my opinion. So I think all those things need significant development with him. Um, I think with Anthony Johnson, the, the big question is what is his trump card? You know, what is his one clear trait that he wins on? Like he looks like a guy who will be the middle pick in the entire draft right now. That's just the kind of player he is. Like there's just no clear dominant trait. And I was talking to Brad Kelly, our wide receivers guy over at the Draft Network, and I was like, I just want Anthony Johnson to either be horrible in mobile so i know how to feel about him or be unbelievable in mobile and he was exactly mediocre in mobile like he was just solid like he gets open against the worst corners the better ones give him a little bit of trouble he can play a little bit in the slot but he's not like an unbelievable route runner but he's technical enough to know what he's doing and he's not going to make every contested catch but he'll make one or two to get you interested and that's just kind of his whole game so i think the combine is as big for him as any receiver in the draft to be honest because I don't know how to feel about him yet because I like his tape, but I don't love it. Uh, I don't don't know that I see anything dominant on his tape. He's just kind of out of the size, the average athleticism. You know, everything's kind of middle of the road. And sometimes guys like that don't have a trump card, and they get put at wide receiver four or five because of that. And then they have to play special teams and play them at a high level, and they can get lost in translation in favor of guys with more upside that might be only good at like one thing but kind of have that promise of being something more. So that's why I think things would get tricky with Anthony Johnson. I expect him to be a day three pick, but I wouldn't, again, same similar thing as Tyree Jackson. I think he could sneak into the top 100, but in this wide receiver class, especially if the run happens in the early second round, I expect him to probably be a fourth or fifth round pick. I do think he can help a team, and I think he can play early on. I think he's ready, he's more pro-ready. The question will be what team does he end up on? Because if it's a team with three established guys already, they might lean towards somebody with more of a uh, more upside to be their fourth or fifth receiver active on game days things like that and johnson may be kind of in a spot where he has to fight for a roster spot but if he ends up on a team that's lean at the wide receiver position he could play right away so it's kind of that weird situation that weird skill set where his situation will be big depending on how valuable he is to the team that he ends up on because I don't know that there is anything to get excited about long-term with him, but who he is right now is a player that can play and can make an impact, a modest impact, uh, but he can make an impact for an NFL team. I don't think he's overmatched there by any stretch of the imagination, but the traits are going to be huge coming from the Mac. You've got to prove that you can be an athlete on the level of the other top receivers in the class. So the combine will be massive for him.
1: All right, one last thing for you, John. I know you're a Steelers guy, so I have to ask, what is going on there? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I wish I knew. I mean, I know Antonio Brown's obviously got a bunch of stuff going on off the field that has clearly contributed to kind of this whole mess, I think. and uh, so, But it is a mess, and you have to figure out the best way out of it. I will say this, they're not trading him uh, unless they get a great return for him, unless they get what they want for him. They're not going to settle for less. They'll keep him if they don't get what they want. Uh, people won't like to hear that, I think, but he's not getting cut. He's not getting released. They'll keep him if he wants to sit or not play, or he's not going to be a team guy. They'll make him inactive, and he'll ride out his contract uh, inactive. On game. I mean, that's how the Steelers have never, ever in the history of the organization let a player boss around the team. It'll never happen. I mean, not as long as the rings are there. It just won't happen. So you can you can love it, you can hate it, whatever. But the the fact of the matter is, he's going to be a Steeler unless the Steelers get what they want for him. I think they're totally fine with trading him but they just need to get what they want for him. And if they're, that's a one uh, or an early two, that's what they're going to need to get for him. You know, so that's what I would ask for him. I wouldn't take anything less than something like that uh, than a one or an early two. Um, and I would, I would try to trade him to the NFC. There's plenty of options there for, for the, for the in the early second round range. If that's the best you're going to get for him, you have to take his age into consideration to be realistic. If you're the Steelers and, and especially his off the field stuff recently, but yeah, that's that's how I see the situation. Uh, I think this is a, a situation where Pittsburgh is very willing to trade them, but they won't settle and they won't back down from their asking price. So if teams lowball them at first, things going to drag out. We'll see uh, what ends up happening. But I think they're completely content to say, you know what, if you're gonna, this is how you're gonna be. You're gonna tank the rest of your career sitting on the Steelers roster. Well, if you're not gonna be a team player and be part of the team, uh, you know we're not gonna give in to you. We're not gonna let you make the calls here like we make the calls. We decide kind of what happens with you. You sign the contract. You know now it's up to us, and that's going to be their mentality. So I don't know if the situation gets resolved quickly unless the team is willing to be like, you know what? I get it. I know you guys are the judge. I know how you operate. Here's a here's a first round pick. Here's a late sec. an early second round pick. I know that's what you guys want for them. Take it. You know, and uh, and and we'll be good to go from there. And 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 then they want to they don't want to it around that bad. So. That's the situation I think that they're in right now. My guess is the judge out for a while though, because teams are going to want to see how the off-field stuff proceeds with him and how it unfolds and what the NFL maybe will do about it, if anything, uh, in terms of passing down judgment on him.
1: Yeah, I mean, we just saw they let Le'Veon Bell sit the whole year and they just kept on going along. So this will yeah, be an interesting they might do it again saga. <laughs> yeah. This will be an interesting saga there for the Steelers. John, thank you for taking the time to join us here today, man absolutely no problem guys thanks so much for having me and uh just let the good people know where to find
2: all of your work yeah you can follow me on twitter at ledyard l-e-d-y-a-r-d nfl draft and uh you can follow the draft network on at draft network llc on uh, twitter and that's where all my content is as well
1: all right john thanks as always man awesome
2: thanks guys appreciate it
1: that was john ledyard of the draft network and their mock draft simulator comes out on February twenty fifth. I'm not counting down the days. Yes, I am. Yes, he is. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm. I'm very, very stoked about that. I mean, nice job though with the with the trades question. I mean, it's uh, it's unfortunate that they can't get that in there for uh, this year, but at the same time, don't rush something if you feel like it's going to be a good product. Because yeah. if you rush something in there, it's gonna ruin everything else. You know, I'm glad that they made that decision for the sake of quality. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see trades in next year's mock draft simulator from them. But I'm very excited to see what it looks like for this year in 11 days.
0: That you're totally counting down. That
1: I'm totally, definitely counting down on. <laughs> so.
0: <laughs> no, it's really it's really exciting.
1: Yeah, no. And, I mean, the Combine's coming up soon. There is, you know, then there's free agency, then there's the draft. It j-
0: yep. It's-
1: the offseason is. Turning along and uh dude what in the brain of John Elway is going on things. It's kind of strange that he actually brought in Case Keenum last year because it seems that the dude loves tall quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. And then
1: obviously Denver reportedly agreeing to trade a fourth round pick to acquire Joe Flacco. As we're referencing here i don't I don't understand I don't understand
0: I don't think I get it I don't get it it's that it's like the one meme where you have two buttons, one <laughs> says bad quarterback, the other says really bad quarterback, and it's John Elway sweating on which one to pick
1: yeah it uh it's really it's interesting that their Super Bowl odds went down after the trade.
0: That was Bovada hilarious. knocked
1: their Super Bowl odds to worse than they were after making this deal.
0: It was that was hilarious.
1: I don't think Joe Flacco's that bad that you got to do that to them. He's competent. He's okay. Keenum in Denver was not competent. Keenum in Denver was a different quarterback, the one that you saw in St. Louis under Jeff Fisher, not the one that you saw in Minnesota last year. Yeah. Whereas Flacco is still at least, Meh. He's never spectacular, but he. Eh, he does sometimes screw up a game. But that's Joe he Flacco. Loves checking
0: on its tight ends. That's Joe Flacco, though
1: he he'll do amazing one game terrible the next, meh the next, and then you just get a pattern that is completely random. You don't get the same quarterback on a week-to-week basis with Joe Flacco. That doesn't mean you got to knock their Super Bowl odds like that. Why you got to do them like that? I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of funny, though. Yeah, it is. And Denver, they still could take a rookie quarterback. I just don't know if it'll happen this year. The big thing is Case Keenum now has a $21 million cap hit in Denver and he's not going to be the starter.
0: I think they're going to be looking to trade him. Yikes. That's just a whole lot. of
1: Who's taking on that cap hit? Who?
0: Who wants to have a quarterback for That's one meh? year. Maybe? For one year, right? Because he signed a two-year one deal. Year, yes, one year So left. it'll be one year, and it'd be a team who's looking to draft a quarterback in 2020.
1: So you're saying a team with a tank job. Yeah. So Miami.
0: Yeah. If they're likely to move on from Tannehill, that would make sense. Yeah. It would give you a one-year bridge. you're only there for – it's only a one-year deal.
1: It's only one. It'd give you the one-year bridge guy, so you draft another guy, and Keenum's not great. You could bring him back
0: if you want to as a backup or mentor or whatever. Keenum's not what we
1: would call necessarily great, but – Yeah, it would be a solid bridge guy for a team that wants to draft another quarterback next year, and not in this draft. But, oof, man, John Elway continues to uh, try to make damn sure that he's the best Broncos quarterback of all time. (laughs) Yeah, because Peyton Manning was only there for a little bit. Was, and Elway just keeps missing on all these other quarterbacks. It's like, is John Elway still the greatest Broncos quarterback of all time? Yes. Now he just doesn't have the greatest season of a Broncos quarterback. John of all Elway
0: time. is still the great, the greatest Broncos quarterback on the team. He might be.
1: Actually, I don't know with his decision making now.
0: <laughs> but is he better than Trevor Simeon, Case Keenum? Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch, yes. (laughs) As he proceeds to look both ways with his eyes. But yes,
1: because that that pick was terrible. And that set the team back. You see it. When you miss on a first-round quarterback, it hurts. Yeah, it
0: does. Think about this. If Chad Kelly didn't screw up, he could
2: he'd be the the
1: starter.
0: He'd be the starter,
1: right? It's not even he could he'd be the starter. Yeah. If he didn't walk into someone else's house. Yeah. Uh Oneville's Live had a Broncos reporter on yesterday. And he said something along the lines of this is the Midwest. A lot of people happen to carry firearms. Like Chad Kelly was lucky that he got to walk out of there. Oh kind of thing. Like he hinted at that kind of thing. I'm like you know, he's not wrong. You get freaked out when someone else is in your house. Yeah. That yeah. person beat him with a vacuum cleaner pipe or something. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I don't remember the story. But uh, he beat him with some sort of object, just like, get get the heck out of my house kind of thing. But it wasn't like a baseball bat or anything. I don't, I don't remember what it was in particular. But I thought it was, like, one of those extensions from a vacuum cleaner, like, just yeah. whacking them with that thing.
0: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: All right, Frank. The sky is not falling for the Sabres.
0: Hmm, it's like it never was.
1: It's like it never was. Neat.
0: Yeah, funny how that works. Funny
1: how it works. And funny how beating a team that is tops in the Metro can change things for you and change your tune. Did Pittsburgh win last night? Yes. Thanks, Edmonton. What's with Canada not giving us any help? Ottawa blows it. Ottawa's bad. Yeah, but four goals in the third period. Come on, help someone. Bad. I know, but help somebody out. Bad. Help us. They're bad. Help us out a little bit. They're bad.
0: Help us out. They're bad. Because you're
1: not getting Jack Hughes. Just win.
0: They're they're bad. They're they're (laughs) trying to. They're just bad. They're just very bad at it. Man,
1: what the hell? Like I saw that and it made me sick. I'm just like, oh hey, the Sabers. That's why you can't. This is why Sabers are going to beat the Islanders. Awesome. Let's see if they can make it. Oh, what the hell happened in Carolina?
0: That's why they can't be. You can't hope for other teams.
1: You know what's actually pretty cool? I uh, I looked this up because Joe had asked when do we play Ottawa again. I looked it up yeah. last night on the nightcap, and I saw something very promising. Look at the last eight games on the Saber schedule. You know how we were talking about the parallels to the Colorado Avalanche? Yeah. Look at the last eight teams on the schedule and, I know tell, they, me, and
0: they're, tell me, tell the me that they can't game hit against a run. Ottawa. The last home game against Ottawa, the last game is against Detroit.
1: And the last eight games feature two games with the Senators.
0: Plus, they play the Rangers-Devils next and well, Yeah, Florida. they play
1: the Rangers-Devils-Florida next. But the last eight games, you have to deal with Nashville and the Islanders, but you get two dates with the Red Wings and the Senators and the Devils in there as well. Oh, man. Yeah. If they're within striking distance within the last eight games, you best make the playoffs because you have a chance to make a primo run. Like if you're two points if away, you're in
0: striking instance that Columbus game becomes
1: probably playing.
0: Yeah, you if, might even be able to catch a Nashville team on, that's got nothing to play for because they're setting where they are.
1: On March 25th, if you're within four points, it's on. It's yeah. on and poppin. Yeah, yeah. Because it's the Devils, the Senators, the Red Wings. Scroll down, frame. I know, I, I know.
0: <laughs> so all right, it's. Red Wings, the Island, the Islanders, the
1: Islanders, the the Blue Jackets, who may or may not have Panarin and Bobrovsky, the Predators, the Senators, the Red Wings closes out the season. If you are within four points,
0: get it. It's right where they are. Right
1: where they are.
0: If they stay right where they are, yeah.
1: I'd like to get a little bit more of right, more than right where they are with these next three games. Like to get four or five points at minimum. I think so. It's not a lot to ask. I am not asking for a sweep. No, because hockey happens. Yeah, because that Georgiev re- guy decides to make fifty six saves or something against Toronto the other night. <laughs> it's like what? Sure. Um, and then you have yeah, the Rangers randomly steal games. They they still won against the Sabers earlier this year, where the Sabers thoroughly outplayed New York. And yet they still didn't get anywhere with it because Henrik Lundqvist decides, "Eh, I hate the Sabres.
0: He's like, I'm going to play like it's 2012.
1: He's been doing that literally his entire career. Yeah. There's not been a – you tell me what a bad season for Henrik Lundqvist is. What is a bad season for him? Like (laughs) 9-16? I'm not joking. That's – you're not wrong. It may be hyperbole, but I might be accurate which is not what many teams are against Lundqvist. So I expect one of, or the Panthers, who, yeah, you finally snapped that winning streak, I mean that losing streak against Florida, but you always trip over the Panthers. Lundqvist could always steal a game. You, you just, you got to beat the Devils because they're just bad. But I could see them stumbling against Florida or the Rangers. Just please don't do it to both.
0: Corey Schneider hasn't won a game in over a year. That's rough. Yeah.
1: What happened? I don't know. Talk about wasting someone's career.
0: I think he. I remember he. He's been hurt too.
1: I know, but the Devils wasted him with some really bad teams. Yeah. And he would kept and he would keep bringing them out of the lottery because he was good enough too. Yeah. I remember I thought he should have been the Team USA starting goaltender.
0: Yeah. Back
1: back when the NHL played in the Olympics.
0: <laughs>
1: <sighs> Good times. And so I expect the Sabres to trip on one of those teams. It's just going to happen. That's how hockey goes.
0: But if they can get but if they can string, four or five. It's, if, if, if they, they can string, get at least two wins in if the they could three string, games. But if they
1: string a t- together a four-game win streak. Oof. You're suddenly back to uh, a lot of happy right. fans on Twitter.
0: Yeah. yeah. Your,
1: your riots and everything like that calm down. You, you put down the torch and pitchfork for a little bit, and you see the team in a playoff spot. The rest of the Atlantic, by the way, is doing no favors. Those four teams are ridiculous. Yeah. The pace it's- of the Canadians, in particular, 7-1-2 and two in the last ten, it's like guys, calm down. Care you're not price. that. You're not that good. It's carry Price. I know, but they're not that good. Calm down.
0: They're good. It's yeah. It's not that. But they got they get carried by their goalie. That's how they always are.
1: Well, I mean, at least he's justifying the contract again. Somewhat, yeah. Because that's a big cap hit. Ten and a half. All right. So Bogosian's back at practice. Middle stat's back at practice. That's yep. good. They're okay, they're getting healthy. I mean, I suspected Bogosian could have played the other night, but they figured, you know what, let's give him another day off, make sure that he's good and back healthy, good to go. So I'm cool with that. The team, ever since uh, Sam Reinhart, quote-unquote called out the goalies, Buffalo's given up four goals in three games. Neat. Yeah. Well, maybe. goalies, goalies have given up four goals in well, three games. So maybe because the Jets scored three, they didn't shut out Detroit, and then there was only one goal against the Islanders. So the goalies have only given up four goals in three games after being "quote unquote" called out.
0: Yeah, yeah, by accident. Yeah, well, completely by accident too. But maybe that whole quote, including the clarification of it, and got Breinhardt, a little wake-up call from it. And,
1: and Reinhart did say that, you know, later in that quote, he does say, you know, the team around him, the team around the goalies, have to play better too. So, yeah, that that one part of the quote got run, but he did say the other things as well. But, but since that, to have... but since that day, the defense shut things down a little bit. Yeah. After giving up 17 goals in three games.
0: Now it's a matter of sustaining.
1: It's a matter of staying consistent a, which this team is not.
0: it's it's, wor- it's helped they've been playing better since that Colt so far, but that's only 3 games. And you've won 2 of them, which is good. Now string some wins. Exactly. That's going to end up that's what's going to end up being the difference for them in making the playoffs this year. Didn't see consistency yeah. consistency
1: consistency you don't have it but yeah. you know what that islanders game reminded me of though it reminded me of early season sabers hockey most of your productions coming from jack eichel in the first line mm-hmm. with some sick passing oh that pass to pommel is top notch and the faceoff off just clean what yeah like you haven't seen clean wins like that from the sabers a lot this season well what a time to pick it And then Skinner picks the corner through what was, I think, seven different bodies in traffic. Sure looked like it. No, it didn't look like it. There were seven bodies in front of Robin Leonard. There's a reason Leonard could not see that puck. And what does Skinner do? He picks far side top corner. All right. Awesome. Yo, a team traded Jeff Skinner for not a first-round pick. Just want to remind Everyone that we got Jeff Skinner without having to trade a first-round pick or a top prospect. That's fun. But yeah. a lot of that Islanders game reminded me of early season Sabres hockey where the goaltenders did make some big saves. Olmark on a breakaway against – I mean, it's Cal Clutterbuck, but he still had to make a big save on a breakaway. Matthew Barzal had a shift where he's just buzzing the Sabres around and frustrating them. But Olmark holds strong. Yeah including a shot between Barzal's legs. I'm just like, come on, man. But it was, for the most part, steady defending. Some big saves. Heavy top-line production. But then the occasional secondary goal. As the third period was going along, I did not think that the Sabres were going to blow it. Because they matched the Islanders' tight-checking game. And then... Obviously, with 2.5 left, that's when Johan Larson finished this, finishes the job on a Kyle Oposo shot that squeaks through Leonard. Honestly, he it looked like he actually needed to do that because the defenseman was coming through the crease to try to whack that thing
0: away. Even still, it was one where that was something that they hadn't gotten in a while. That, that nail in the coffin. That goal. nail in the
1: coffin kind of goal. But all throughout, I wasn't thinking that the Sabres were going to blow this. No. And you want to know what that felt like? Early season Sabres hockey. Where I had the feeling, yeah, it's tight, but I don't think they're going to screw this up. Yeah. Where the middle of the season has tried that often. Yeah. Testing your patience and going, oh boy, here we go. When are they going to give up the next goal? Right. I didn't really have that concern in the Islanders game. So, hey, maybe they can get back to doing some of that kind of hockey where fans can be a little more confident in what they can do or cannot do. We'll see. But I think that it's still going to be interesting. I'm confused by Pittsburgh,
0: by the way. Why are they... Meh. Goaltending, mostly, well, it has been down for them. Although Matt Murray has been better as of late it seems as though overall and and he's also been hurt too yeah it just seems weird that pittsburgh's down in
1: this position i'd be more comfortable if columbus just dropped out of the picture and then there's only two teams fighting for one spot instead of three teams fighting for one spot but I mean, can you do hope that they trade panarin and borowski yeah because they should
0: well we'll see if no they do-
1: should We'll we'll see they should <laughs> they should do
0: it. We'll see. I'm reading more and more that it'd be smarter for them just to bite the bullet and keep and keep at least Panarin.
1: And what really Why would it be smart? Are they a team
0: that's going to go to the Stanley Cup? If they are. Where if they can stay they even where they beat are. Washington? I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying can if they that's beat what Washington
1: or Tampa Bay? Can they beat Washington or Tampa Bay with the current roster they have? Can they do it? It really all depends. Can they do it in a seven-game series? Their goal no. holds up. No. No, I really – no. Here's no. the thing. Playoff Bob is a different player.
0: He's not a good one. Corpus so Korpisalo starts.
1: Then why have Bobrovsky?
0: You trade him, right? <laughs> right? Well, why did Washington start Grubauer last year? They still had term
1: on Holpi though. And also, it was a mistake that they corrected. <laughs> So if you start Allo and you have Bobrovsky on the roster, and you start Allo in the playoffs, you wasted a chance to get players or picks. You wasted that. So do not give me that garbage ever again. I know, no, I know. They still need but to it, trade Bobrovsky, but it ha- it still at, at the same
0: time it still has to be for the right price.
1: Not to mention though, here's he the can't worst just part:
0: trade him just to trade him. Here's the worst
1: part though: he has a no trade clause. Yeah. So he has he, to waive that.
0: Yeah. So he has to submit a list of 10 teams that he wants that he wants to go to. And even then – I thought it
1: was just a straight-up no-trade clause, not a modified.
0: Well, I think straight-up is 10. Modified, I think, is 12.
1: No, I think no-trade, like, you could just veto any trade. I think that's no movement. No movement is you also can't get waived. Uh,
0: I'm
1: going to check real quick. Or at least that's what no, I he's think. he's got no move. Oh, even worse. <laughs> so there you go. Bobrovsky would have to waive this.
0: He'd have to waive it no matter where he, no matter Look, what happens.
1: If I'm Jarmo and there's there's really a f- minimum chance of winning in this situation. I can't say that he's in a no-win spot, but he's in a I'm probably going to lose more times than not spot.
0: I mean, I think you're right. It would be smart to trade both of them. It absolutely would. Because but once again, the price still has to be there. You have to still get what you want. You can't just trade them just yes. to trade them.
1: Yes, I know. If it the just... price
0: isn't there, if they don't get the assets that they want for one or both, you're not going to do it then, and you're going to bite the bullet. But they could take advantage of a lot of pretenders, especially out west. Yeah. But once again, you still have to get the right price. I know.
1: What I'm saying, though, is that there's a chance for something to be I mean, be
0: Edmonton's had. looking to trade Cam Talbot, and there's talks of of that of him going to Philly. Philly, stop pretending
1: you're in the playoff race. Back off.
0: Quit pretending you're here
1: because you're not.
0: But let's be real. Edmonton is in no position to make a, make a trade to bring in a, anybody. That's
1: right, because they're cap hell, because they're Peter cap Shirelli's help. teller. They can't
0: terrible. even activate Andre Sakara off LTIR. <laughs> <laughs> because
1: Peter they don't Shirelli have the cap space boob. to do it. Peter Shirelli is such a boob. I love it.
0: Yeah. And he's not there, which sucks. Man. But, yeah, I mean, those I agree. Are probably, they could those
1: two words it. are probably swear words in Edmonton now.
0: Oh, we should ask our friend.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes.
0: But... You still have to get the right price for one or both.
1: I understand that. I do get that. I think that for Artemi Panarin, you can get it.
0: And still do where does it come from.
1: I don't know about Sergei Bobrovsky. And that's the thing. Ready? Here's a fun one for you. What about
0: Vegas? For Panarin? Tons of cap space. Big city.
1: So he'd be cool playing there. And they probably want to make another move because they're still third in the Pacific. And all of the assets that you can imagine. Vegas could be an interesting little that, suggestion.
0: That is interesting.
1: Yeah. And you can get a talented prospect out of it. Probably a roster player. And a first. That'd probably depends be the price. What,
0: depends on who. Really.
1: What about... uh? I'm not going to even try to guess though, but it just it would be very interesting to see.
0: I mean, if you're talking prospects, it's right away it's Cody Glass.
1: If it if it ends up being Cody Glass a second in a roster player,
0: is that a bad thing
1: for our timmy Panarin?
0: I think if you're Columbus, you'd want a first.
1: The condition being that it becomes a first if he signs long term in Vegas.
0: If he re-signs, okay. You know that might. That might work. Cody Glass, a conditional first, and like Cody Eakin. Uh, I don't know about that. You have to get someone at least good. True. How about like Eric Holla? Maybe. That'd be a maybe, maybe, maybe if Vegas threw in like another draft pick because they got multiple like yeah. later round picks. If you do something like that, like a guaranteed like, third-round pick as well,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, then you're talking something. Yeah. You're talking that. I, that. I wouldn't be against that move, no.
1: Make me an NHL GM. I'll make trades fun for no reason. <laughs> throw logic out the window. Also, there would be offer sheets. So many offer sheets.
0: All of the offer sheets.
1: I would throw all of the offer sheets out there just to do it, too. One I don't note.
0: know if Vegas would do it, though. Because they still have to re sign William Carlson this year. And they've got Patrick's new contract which kicks in. Yep. Which is seven million. And Alex Tuck's new contract kicks in, which is four and which is just under five. I don't they don't, their projected cap space heading into the summer. William Carlson's it's gonna about cost six and a half.
1: Yes, but William Carlson will cost a lot less now. Now that he's not a guaranteed forty goal scorer.
0: It's still going to be a lot though. Yeah. But I'm saying like Panarin and, will be in Schmidt's new contract kicks it which is just under 6. Okay, he's so just
1: making 6 million? What the hell? Actually his point totals for not starting the first 20 games of the season pretty good. Like he's been quietly productive for Vegas this year.
0: Yeah, holy crap.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. If he was there for the start of the season, I think if... Different story. Yeah. Then you're not questioning that I think, it, I think that Vegas six. is one
0: of those teams where if they trade for Artemi Timmy Panarin, it's guaranteed rental.
1: Then, therefore, you're probably not getting Cody Glass out of the deal.
0: Yeah, or that first.
1: One or the other. You're probably getting one, but not both.
0: Yeah. So, how much worth is that for Columbus, then? It's something. It's something.
1: It's something valuable, too.
0: It's not like depends it's... On, it depends on Cody Glass. It, it depends on... Either Cody Glass or that first round pick.
1: I would agree. So
0: I think if you're Columbus, you want a guaranteed good prospect in first, even if it's you're trading Panarin to a team for who's going to use him as a rental. I would. Because now there's talks that LA wants to sign Panarin, (laughs) even though they're where they are. Sure,
1: LA, pretend that you actually have contention. Once again, it's that big
0: city thing. Panarin wants to go to a big city. If Panarin
1: it, goes to L.A., like, fine. Just kiss your career goodbye, dude.
0: There's also talk that Columbus wants Jonathan Quick.
2: They have corporate
0: solos of future. I know. Weird. I know. So I Maybe Yarmo Kekalainen
1: does need to get fired. I don't know. I don't know. Because, <laughs> I mean, they've not won a playoff series ever in franchise history. And some teams hate being stagnant. Yeah. And the Columbus Blue Jackets are stagnant. But go ahead and tell me, Columbus, that you're actually a playoff contender and that you can beat Washington or Tampa Bay in a seven game series. Because I'm not going to believe you. Why are you always lying? You're lying to yourself. You're of... lying to your fans. If you think that you're actually going to do it, so don't go ahead and tell me that that's going to be the case. <sighs> Man, I just it just there's a lot to this that doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, this trade deadline's going to be weird. It's going to be fun. It's, Hopefully. It's going to be one of those where there's tons of speculation,
1: probably nothing major happens, but yeah. it's going to be like the hype. I think most the of the deals. hype will get you
0: through the day. I think most of the deals are going to happen before the day. The hype will get you through the
1: day, though. Be like, will Panarin get traded? Will Bobrovsky get traded? That's there's if it doesn't happen of, before.
0: There's rumors of this, 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 and this. But once again, that's also if it doesn't happen before. Because, tr- you know, we're tra- we've are seeing trade. we seen trades happen. We just saw Musin get traded. Like a couple weeks ago, there's always I mean, when Eric Stahl was a rental to the Rangers, that happened like a week before the deadline.
1: Eric Stahl was a rental to the Rangers?
0: Yeah, it huh? was like a few years ago. What? He got traded from Carolina to the Rangers. I thought he got traded to the Minnesota Wild. No, he signed with the Wild. That and I thought he re signed with the Wild. No. Was that just that forgettable? Yeah. Yeah, because it was that bad. He was not good in New York. Rangers traded a prospect I feel like you need to send it. Rangers (laughs) traded a prospect and two second round picks to Carolina for Eric Stahl. I don't remember which year it was. I wanna say twenty fifteen.
1: I feel like I don't believe you. But at the same time You feel like I'm right. I don't think you're wrong.
0: But at the same time. Their only signed a three-year deal at Minnesota. It was 2016. Which is the final year of that deal. Which this year is. Yeah. yeah. Trade history. If we go to Cap-Friendly. Oh, my
1: God. He actually did play for the Rangers. Like I said, I didn't it think you 2016. were. 2016. I didn't think you were wrong. I just, it didn't feel right. <laughs> you know? It's so bad.
0: But, yeah, it was that forgettable. Because he was not good. Like what's with the stalls and being like suddenly forgettable, by the way? He had six points in twenty games. And zero points in the playoffs for the for the Rangers. The stalls were
1: like a family that was like, Oh my god, these guys are all actually pretty decent players. And now like Yeah, Eric Stahl is just older now, but he's still like the best one and he always was. Like yeah. I haven't heard about Jordan Stahl in forever, it seems. And Mark Stahl is just like a med dude in
0: New York still. I think he's pretty bad now. Yeah, like probably a, a bottom pairing defi- guy. He was a solid like second pairing guy. Yeah, but now now he's a just like a bottom pairing guy. Jordan Stahl's on IR, and he's you know a forty point guy. It's a forty point guy this year. Well, he would be on pace for that if he was playing. Oh, okay. He's got 11 points in 29 games.
1: Oh, well, okay. but like The last
0: three years, 48, 45, 46 points. All right, then. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Eric Stahl's always been the best one. And then yeah. there's the forgotten Jared Stahl.
1: Who never cracked the NHL.
0: Barely did. He could play, like, a couple games.
1: Okay, you only play a couple
0: games. You didn't really crack the NHL. That's why I said barely. You debuted. Ericson's always been the best one. And even then, he's still he's still really good. Right now, it's, yeah, he's
1: still very solid. His tenure in Minnesota's been a
0: lot better than what what it looked like. Could be another rental player this year? He's actually has been talked about, yes.
1: Because Minnesota's in and out of the playoff spot depending on the day. Because the West is just trash. I'm so jealous by the way of the Western Conference. Because the Sabres would be clear in a playoff spot right now. But meanwhile, oh my God, yeah. But meanwhile, like the Ducks and the Kings are the only teams that you can realistically say are out of it. And the Ducks are six points out. Well, the Ducks just lost two goaltenders to injured reserve. Yeah. And they give up shots like no tomorrow. Well, yeah. Carlisle's gone, but they just fired their They've kind of
0: given up on the year already. Yeah. But they're still six points out. Like the Kings are eight points out and they're last. And guess who's got the second wild card spot? Hey, Minnesota. That thing with their Stall, by the way, was from uh, David Pagnoto the, the, at the fourth period on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, he said if the right situation exists, then it's possible he can get moved. Pretty much, yeah. That's about it. So Minnesota likely would want to keep him because they can still make the playoffs this year. Yeah. But yeah. if they can get a good a good price for him, they'll trade. Yeah, him. If they get it. It's yeah. the same thing with Panarin Bobrovsky, honestly. Really, like with these teams, if the right situation and the right price is there, they'll no, make the move. No, you want to know why it's not the same situation? It doesn't really hurt the Wild
1: if they don't get Eric Stahl back. They
0: need to blow things up.
1: Yes. but However. Yeah, but again, if Eric Stahl walks for nothing, that really doesn't hurt
0: them. He's been a very good offensive player for them too, but I, I, I think you're Whereas yeah, if Tummy
1: right. Panarin walks away for nothing, and you didn't get it's, a playoff. It is worse. And you yeah. didn't get a playoff series win. Yeah, it's worse. It hurts so much more.
0: Yeah. But it's kind of it's kind of similar. No, it's not similar. Kinda.
1: Here I am arguing with you about yeah. Panarin Bobrovsky again. Yeah, I know. It's a tradition unlike any other at this point. <laughs> they sure. need to trade them. They
0: have to do it. Chicago's four points out. Get out. They're four points out. Cam Ward. Yeah. Is four points out. Although I think they've been starting another goal. The West is
1: trash. Yeah, Dahlia.
0: Yeah. The West is so trash. The Arizona Coyotes are two spots out. Four points out. Four points out. Oh, my God. Good for you, Arizona. You're only relevant because the rest of the West is trash. They've also had a ton of injuries. I don't care.
1: The Western Conference is
0: garbage. Garbage. There are good teams, and then there's nothing else. Dylan Strome has 31 points in 33 games with Chicago. Good work, Arizona. What'd you
1: get for him again? Nick Schmaltz. Sure. How's that going? He's on IR because he got hurt right away when they traded for him.
0: Arizona. Look at Arizona's injured reserve. Arizona. Arizona.
1: (laughs) Arizona is never meant to be good. Look at that. But look at that, though. When you throw hockey in the desert and not in a city that's Las Vegas, you get Austin Matthews and that's it. And you don't get Austin Matthews, Arizona. You just get to say that he's from there. That's it. Nothing more.
0: Their injured reserve money is more than their f- how much they're spending on their forward. Okay, right?
1: okay, 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 okay. But Marion Hosa is on there.
0: Yeah, and David Bowen, I know. Yeah, so let's not go ahead okay, and say. Okay, so you take away those two. They still have seven guys.
1: Including starting goaltender. Including their starter. And Branta Yeah. Including Nick Schmaltz. Yeah. Including Christian Dvorak. Yeah. Who, am I seeing that right? He's getting four or five? Yeah. Starting next year? Yeah. Wow, that's a, that's a nippy. He's a good player. It's a nifty contract. Yeah, and, and I could see, Grabber, and I can see their, in the offseason. Like Arizona's hanging around with Darcy Kemper and Calvin, Calvin Picard. Yeah. Uh as their starting goaltenders. I feel so bad for Oliver Ackman Larson.
0: It's a good thing he's getting over eight million dollars next year. But at
1: the same time, I don't feel bad for the Arizona Coyotes because they went ahead and said, we'll take the contracts of Marion Hosa and Pavel Datsuk. Sure, you know there's rumor that Datsuk
0: may want to come back next year.
1: So does that mean he's property of the Arizona Coyotes? No,
0: they have his contract, his rights. No, they don't. It's it was it was only for one year. Oh, so now I, I they take be on free. so
1: many dead contracts and dead cap hits. And it's like I don't know what's real anymore with them.
0: I believe it would at the time when Datsuk and they are still just two
1: wins out because the West. Is garbage. Yeah. That is why I'm jealous. I'm salty about that fact as a Sabres fan. And if you're a Sabres fan, or a Hurricanes fan, or a Penguins or a Blue Jackets fan, especially the Blue Jackets since you used to be in the Western Conference, I'd be a little pissed right now. Because all four of those teams would be sitting comfortably in a wild card spot. Yes, you did have to deal with either the buzzsaw of San Jose or the buzzsaw of Winnipeg slash Nashville or Calgary. Good Lord. Calgary's not even first in the Pacific anymore. No, it's Cripes. San Jose. Ripes. But that's why the West is so garbage, because those top six teams, oh, no, top five teams, are just beating the piss out of everyone else. St. Louis was dreadful, and they're back
0: in a playoff spot. They're comfortably in one right now. Comfortably. They have a four point cushion.
1: Good for them. What's a four they're point? Two,
0: they're two points out of th- out of third in the central.
1: Yeah, but that's kind of been alternating on the day. One day it's Minnesota, then it's Dallas, then it's St. Louis. It's like
0: well, now tomorrow it's gonna be St. Louis. Probably. And then Minnesota will end up back up there somehow. Probably. Vancouver's two points out. Vancouver's two points out. I think Colorado's still there. Colorado just
1: stopped playing good. Yeah. They were the ones sitting in that spot. Yeah. Ugh, I'm so jealous of the West. The Sabres, Hurricanes, well, or Blue West was Jackets. West is
0: supposed to be the one that's good, too. Well,
1: there's five teams that are really good.
0: Remember when it was like two years ago when the Central was stacked?
1: Yeah, it still is with two teams.
0: Just two teams, though.
1: They're really, really, and good. Really, and then it's, like it's really two teams really and
0: then everyone else.
1: Yeah, it's two teams and everyone else. Sabres play against the Rangers tomorrow. Yeah the Devils, the Devils, and the Panthers. That's your next three games. Please get four points out of this. I'm not asking for a miracle. I'm just asking for winning two out of the next three. That ain't hard to ask. Put together regulation wins in a row for once, or even just put together two wins in a row for once. That'd be nice, too. Can we do that? We get a, can we get a winning streak, maybe? Who knows? We'll see. We'll find out. Thanks for listening to Leftovers Podcast, Derek Kramer, Frank R. Curry. Thanks to John Ledyard for joining us from the Draft Network. It's 11 days away from their mock draft simulator. I'm still only counting the days down. So, you know, nothing Nothing weird there. Got anything clever to say here? Not really. you ever watch Brooklyn 99? 9 Yes. I think I'm going to end it on this. Terry loves love.